When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 382, After the Whistle, presented by Seneca Buffalo Creek Casino. Nothing else comes close. Joining us, Ted Nolan. So great to see you. Great to have you on and uh, be in contact with you. Thanks for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me on. How's everything going? Uh, you know, uh, for the last six months or so, it's been pretty pretty rough. Uh, uh, you know, I've been diagnosed with multiple myeloma. I uh, lost all my my hair. My hair is starting uh, starting to come back, but it's coming back white this time. So, but uh, yeah, th- things are much better. I haven't been uh, under any kind of medication for last, uh, I would say, a month and a half. So, uh, knock on wood, things are going good. Now, you were just uh, involved with the was it the the Chiefs of Ontario uh, election? Uh, yes. Yeah, for uh, uh, when when COVID hit, I was kind of sitting around, kind of bored a little bit because I uh, I worked. Uh, we'll talk about this later too. I worked uh, with my two boys. We do the three Nolans hockey camps, but during COVID, yeah. Yeah. so I yeah. just kind of got bored one day, and I call up a good friend of mine who happens to be the uh, um, a regional chief of Ontario, kind of like the premier of Ontario. He's like our, our regional chief, so I called him up see if he was looking for any help, and he hired me and. So, but uh, six months later, I said I wanted to call him back. I say I wasn't that bored, but you know, I'm really, really enjoying it. You wrote a book, Life in Two Worlds. So what inspired your book? Well, you know, I think about three or four years ago, when uh, when Truth and Reconciliation here in Canada really took off, about the residential schools that our that our people were were forced to to attend, and all the horrific things that that happened and I I went to a day school we had uh, residential schools where they took the kids from home and put them in boarding schools kind of I guess and uh, the rest of us went through uh, day schools where we got to go home during the daytime but it was still run by the by the churches so uh, and then we uh, I did an interview with um, uh, someone from TSN uh, about uh, during that time and, and it got really really emotional I, uh, I kind of brought up a lot of trauma, things that, that happened to me when I was a little boy. And uh, so the flood of emotions came over and uh, someone from Penguin Books were must have uh, seen the interview and thought it would be an interesting story. So I, I discussed it with my wife, Sandra, for you know for, for a little bit, whether we really wanted to to expose all the things that we went through in a book. But we, we uh, and then during that time, I heard a police officer uh, during the Floyd, George Floyd incident, that he said, "If you're if you're complicit, uh, you're part of the problem." So I, I really wanted to get my story out and hopefully make a difference in the next uh, next ones who are, who are coming along. You know, growing up where I grew up in in Garden River First Nation, it's a small First Nation uh, community outside of the city of Sault Ste. Marie. Okay. And you know, growing up, we, we didn't have a whole lot. I mean, you hear these stories from from a lot of our elders in, in the past about, you know, wood stove and uh, uh, no no electricity. Uh, at, moment, at times, you know, the food was very scarce. Uh, so uh, just going up in, in that and then all of a sudden you, you get to uh, go into the day school and how they treat you so much differently from 
from uh, everybody else and you get you know you'll get, get your ears pulled to go stand in line and get your hair combed with these uh these call them bug combs uh, to get uh, lice out of your hair and they scrape the top of your head and check your nails and uh you know then then when you went to the city school then you get uh bullied a little bit with uh, with the bigger kids in school like a lot of a lot of a lot of kids do but uh when you're from a from a different ethnic group it, it seems a little tougher so when you were growing up uh, you're i'm from north bay ontario so i remember quite a bit playing against the sault saint marie hockey teams when i was in youth hockey and i and i know that you know when i grew up in north bay with the the elements the 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 cold frigid air I was outside a lot. Okay. I played on the outdoor rinks when you were a young, uh, you know, boy, were you playing on the outdoor rinks a lot up, uh, where you lived? Well, you know, that, that was part of the story. And I, I use this as a metaphor all my whole life because on our community, we had a community rink, but uh, it seemed like it was always filled with, with the adults. Everybody yeah. loved to play. And, uh, anyways, I went home one day, I was, I bet you six or seven years old. And I thought, uh, uh, it didn't look that hard to make a rink. So I went to my backyard, pumped the pail of water. Pail was pail was about this big. I walked around the corner of my house, packed down some snow, put the pail of water down. And all of a sudden it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's how I, I made my rink. And so that's where basically I, I learned how to how to play and learned how to skate. And and uh, my, my first pair of skates were kind of like, uh, I think size six. My feet were size three, maybe. I just put rubber boots on and made them fit. So an extra did... a couple layers of socks. Layers <laughs> of socks. That's where I learned how to play because we, we didn't have money to go into the city to, to join a league until, geez, I, I think I was maybe eight to 10 years old before I went to the, went to the city and joined the recreation league. Well, how about this one? So I, I uh, had a. <laughs> I had a hockey dad show me the backyard rink at uh, his place. He's got boards, he's got lines, and he's got a generator. It's funny. Guess where he lives, Ted. He lives in Craig's neighborhood. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, like I said, but when, now that I got older and I, I was able to afford a house that uh, had all the luxuries, and my, my two boys had that same luxury you, you, you did. My uh, I had a running hose and built boards and lights and everything. So it was a much right. different uh, experience for them. Brought a Stanley cup to the, right. to the family. eh? Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was lucky to be part of two LA cups and uh, he was a little bit of part of the St. Louis. Yeah, so he has yeah that's right. Three Stanley cup ring. So, which is nice. Uh, you want he another won. cup on Shorzy. Oh yeah. They, they won <laughs> the, the local championships. That's right. They're, they're going for the all Canadian. So that's it'll, right. be, it'll be interesting. Well, we have a very big Sabre audience and the Ted Nolan era, both eras are kind of a mystery to me, you know, and, and very disappointing to be honest with you. Um, but what, what happened the first time around? Because you had a team that absolutely loved you, played so hard for you. And then all of a sudden you're not coaching anymore. Oh geez, and, you know that's uh, that's a tough one. It took me a long, long time uh, to get over it, Andrew. I mean, it took me uh, when I got let go by the Sabers the, the first time. It took me. Uh, it really set me back. It probably uh, four or five years. Uh, I went into a very dark place because not understanding the the exact question you just asked. I di I didn't understand. There there's a lot of misconceptions out there. There was a lot of mistruths out there, and so during the uh, writing the book, 
it kind of really helped, uh, kind of re, um, re reconnected me with, with the truth because I, uh, they they said I turned down at a multiple year contract. I was too greedy with uh, with my demands after winning Coach of the Year, which was totally totally untrue. Uh, I would probably take less if it was if it was meant to in the in the what, right. Was there a contract? Was there a contract offer? There was never a contract offer, and I I I clarified. Wow. If, you read, if you read the book, uh, Larry Quinn. Uh, um, uh, told they told me in the book that uh, there was never a contract offer uh uh Darcy Regeer uh, offered the one year contract offer after the after the uh, just before they they took it away but during the whole concept to, to get to that point they said I turned down multiple offers and multiple uh, multi million dollar contracts which, which was totally totally untrue so uh that that was untrue so I, I really wanted to get that out to the people to say you know some people thought I, I was a little greedy which i'm i'm far from it uh you know i was drunk at practice you know uh, those those type of things it was just kind of you know how i got john muckler fired i mean i was a if you think of it i mean it's just like um uh a young coach now getting a gm fire how, how can that happen can you can you just you, you were mentioning you know after that season you're named Jack Adams uh you know coach of the year um and then all of a sudden you you're not brought back to the Sabers you said you went through through you know almost five years of like you know that anger bitterness you know can you describe to us like what happened in those years like what you went through what you were feeling and how you came out the other side oh jeez. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get too emotional on the on the call, but it, it was very, 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 very tough. You know, if you if you read the book, that the first chapter opens up with the the Jack Adams replica trophy coming to my house, and at that time I was very, very angry. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I just uh, I looked at the box, I put it on the floor, and I give it the hardest kick I can never give anything, and it you hear the hear the sound of it. Uh, breaking a little bit and I put it in the in the shelf downstairs and I and I forgot about it I, I didn't uh I, I forgot about all my responsibility as a as a husband as as a father uh I, I felt very uh self-pity I, I guess which I, I never felt before in my entire life uh, I went to some dark places and uh I almost lost my marriage because of it so yeah. um, it, it it was it was uh uh, it, it was it was really tough. I I, I went home. Uh, I left my family down here in, in southern Ontario. I went back home to the reserve and kind of um, moped around a little bit. Kind of lived with my the way I got brought up. I lived with my old buddies again. We went out uh, quite a bit, and uh, so I, I just really wanted to to um, um, forget about the forget about the pain. And sometimes you forget about the pain by by doing some crazy things and yeah. you get in a little bit more with well alcohol and drinking and forget about your problems and, and what have you. So it was a very, very, very dark place for at least three to five, five years. So how did uh, you change that? How did you come out of that? Cause that's obviously, you know, there's a lot of people that, that deal with, with really tough times, just like you're explaining uh, here today and how, how and who helped you kind of start to, to, to find your way out of that. Really glad you, you asked that because part of the part of the book is you know we, we talk about mental health all the time 
And, and, you know, even when, when I was growing up, people kept saying, get over it, get over it. I, yeah. I even my own family, when I went to the, went to the reserve and uh, I, I came home and I, I had a big cut on my arm and I was crying like crazy. And my brother said, uh, what are you crying for? I said, well, my, I got a cut. It, it hurts. So uh, crying doesn't make it better. Zip it up and don't cry. And anyways, you just learn to submit so much of that, that pain. So I, I, I and, and I, I was really glad that uh, Penguin Books reached out because I, I really wanted to, to, especially men, I, I just really wanted to, to really express to men that, that it's okay to, to feel, it's okay to, to express. And, and it took me a long time and thank God for the will of God. It, it, uh, it, it really made a difference. And one, one day, and you ask, get to that question, answer that question, I went to a movie. Uh, one uh, one day it was the Muhammad Ali story with Will Smith. Yeah. And I was sitting down, and I was watching this stuff, and during my own self pity, I was looking at, geez, this guy got his license taken away. He got kicked out of boxing. He got kicked out of his his Muslim faith. Uh, he was broke. He was down and out. But I never seen him doing self pity. I never seen him being felt sorry for himself. He still felt a, a world champion. He, he was still very proud of his his uh, his uh, being uh, being black. And I'm going here. I was. I'm feeling sorry because I lost a job. So I walked out of that movie a, a changed man. I, I called the I called a couple of chief friends chief friends of mine, and I said I got a great idea. I said, uh, can we can we meet? So when we 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 met him at uh, uh, on the reserve and went up to their houses and I said, I gotta why don't we start a golf tournament? <laughs> like I invented golf tournaments. I said we'll start a golf tournament, we'll raise some money, and we'll give it to uh, First Nation women uh, pursuing their educational endeavors. Because uh, getting back to your original question was. Um, when I got let go from Buffalo, one of the one of the things too, they they said I was I was drunk at practice, and that one to me, I but now I had reflected going through some therapy. Uh, that one probably hurt the most because uh, my mother was just killed by a drunk driver uh, a couple of years before I, I got the Buffalo job, and uh, and for them to say I was drunk, I mean that was just uh, and that's everything I I I, I speak against uh drunk driving and and substance abuses and, and what have you so that one really hurt so anyways we we started the golf term raised uh raised some money for first nation women in ontario then we started the ted nolan foundation a couple of years later i mean I'm, I'm very proud to say uh, we raised close to two to three million dollars for first nation women across canada pursuing educational nice. uh, endeavors they got we got some doctors and we got some some police officers and through the through the program so uh, that's uh, that what uh, came from it, and it changed me to red round. I was really happy where I was at and doing that until hockey came back in. Well, hockey came back in. You went to Moncton, so how did that kind of come about? And it's not like it didn't take long for you to get back to your successful coaching ways. Well, you know, I was, I was sitting down, and you hear the rumors all the time. It was hockey night in Canada. Uh, Ted Nolan was in so and so visiting for a job, and then. Ted was interviewed here. Ted was, which was totally untrue. I never got no outside of the early parts. I, I did have a couple of interviews, but uh, but then six years later, seven years later, you're still hearing the same stuff. So I almost felt like calling him up. So I'm not getting interviewed. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I'm out of hockey. And then all of a sudden, Robert Irving from the Moncton Wildcats gives me a call and and see if I'd be interested in coaching his team, which I I did had no interest whatsoever. 
uh, but I really wanted to meet with Robert. So I, I met with him in, in Toronto and I, I remember using his cell phone because I forgot mine in the truck. And I called home and I said, Senator, we're going to Moncton. And I, I just loved it. That was the first time I, my whole career, uh, pro coaching and uh, playing and minor, I, I really felt wanted. I really felt I could contribute yeah. to the team and went there and had one of the best years of, of coaching in my life. I had a chance to coach young Brad Marchant. <laughs> 70 games played. You had 52 wins that year, which is mind blowing. And you also won the championship. You won the uh, Quebec major junior uh, league that year. Well, you, you know, you know, uh, I, you know, certain things you, you look at and it doesn't look that complicated. I mean, to me, coaching has never been that complicated. I mean, you, you, you got to do one less mistake in the opposition. You got to score one more goal than them. If you do that, the chances of success is, is pretty high. Yeah. And, but, but it's not, you know, people look at the, the talent. And I've always looked at the workability of a person. And I, I always call that a talent and not too many people do. They, they, they think skill is, is. What do you mean that? What do you mean by that? Explain that to me. Workability. I think workability is, is a skill that not everybody has. I mean, some people just, you know, like, uh, you watch, uh, McDavid score. He has so much talent. You could just see it. Then you, you see, uh, uh, like Matty Ellis, for example. Matty Ellis wasn't wasn't the greatest player in the world, but I tell you, he competed like a son of a gun. He competed all the time. And I'm just saying, if you grab a group of those people and you flash in a few Pat LaFontaines and you flash in a few McDavid's with the with the and, and it all has to do with 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 people. I really believe it, it's people. You look at, you know, Brad May. I mean, I think he was one of the finest human beings I, I've ever met. But uh, he was he competitive as a heck? Was he tough? He was tough, but he was a good person. You look at Pat LaFontaine, you know, the, the people we had on our team, they're they're just good people and, and collectively we we worked and and I think that's what you know sometimes we, we get caught up with with ever since analytics analytics came into the game. You get so caught up with with points and productions and ice times and turnovers and all those type of things. I'm going, it's just it's mind-boggling. But but the the simple thing is you get the puck out of your end, you put it in there and you put it in there net one more time than they do it. And and uh, I, I think it's a uh, it's it's a game of mistakes, and and the team that makes the least amount of them has a good chance of success. And I've always just said, surround yourself with good people, and and you have a good chance of success. You mentioned uh, coaching Brad Marchand. Did you know that he had that capability? No, no, no question. You know, it's funny because I uh, I had to bench Brad. I, I benched him. I, I sat him out a couple times. Uh, because you know Brad, when he is, he's such a competitive, competitive soul, and sometimes he does things that that are are not necessarily the, the best. Yeah, give him, give him the name, the rat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, I I I had to bench him a number of times, and uh, to to get that message because it's not a it's not a, what makes me feel good. It's what's going to help us win. It's not me all the time. So I just think uh, you know. Uh, especially with a young guy, you, you have to teach him how. And you, look at that. He, he's done pretty well for himself in the course of his career. But I tell you, his uh, his competitiveness and his workability is, is you could overlook some of the, the, the crazy things he does. But I, of all the players I coached, I would, I would say Brad ranked up with one of the, one of the best I've, I've ever been associated with. Did you bench stars in the NHL? 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I remember benching Patty for the first time, but you know, some of them don't need to be benched, but uh, actually it was, it led up to the uh, time when, uh, when he had his concussion and he came back too quickly. And anyway, he, he was, we were playing a game and, and he just wasn't playing himself. And so I, I kind of sat him down for a couple of shifts and all of a sudden you get one of those, one of those, what, what do you do in benching me on, on the bench? So I skipped him over. He looked at me again. I put him back out. And after the game, he apologized for his, uh, his, uh, the way he was playing. And the next day, that's when we found out that he, that he wasn't feeling so well. And he went to the doctor and found out he had maybe had post-concussion syndrome, but I got no problem. And I think that's that's maybe one of the reasons why I got along with players so well because I'm I'm not afraid to 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 bench uh, the the fifty goal scorer versus the five goal scorer because I, I think uh, why is one mistake bigger than the next mistake? A mistake is mistake, and and I think we're especially a team sport. We're we're not playing tennis. Where we're playing a team sport and we need everybody uh, going. And that's why there's only one championship team every year. I mean, championships are, are hard, hard to win. And if you're yeah. not on board, boy, they're, they're impossible. Are you watching hockey uh, these days? Uh, you know what I became? I became a more of a football fan. <laughs> Tell you the truth, I've never watched football <laughs> my entire life, but uh, watching football and getting to know the rules and how it all works, it's kind of a very intriguing game. But no, I, I do watch hockey uh, occasionally when I'm, uh, but uh, with grandkids and and family and doing the three nol, we we don't have a whole lot of time to sit down and watch. But uh, when there's when time permits, I I certainly watch. So you're okay. So you're not watching much of the Sabers. Uh, another question I think a lot of our audience would have is your second stint with Buffalo. How did that come about? Can you take us through the process leading up to that when LaFontaine called you to say we're going back? Uh, you know, coming back, I was over in Latvia coming coming back from one of our our, our tournaments, and uh, and I just asked Patty about uh, maybe arranging it for. Uh, I wanted to take my wife to a Broadway play in New York City. So I called him up before I went to Latvia and uh, he called me up on the phone. He said, Ted, can't get you those uh, play tickets, uh, but I got a better ticket for you. How about coming to Buffalo? And it just kind of floored me. And I was so, so happy for, for Patty and uh, uh, whether I wanted to go back, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Uh, but uh, knowing the, the way Patty is and what he wanted to build, I jumped on board right away, so I, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't wait. What happened in that time? You know, when the team was looking to rebuild. Okay, the the team was looking to make changes, and uh, obviously brought uh, Pat in and um, yourself. And and what happened in that time? You know, when you're out in the ice and you take a big check. And the next day you feel all sore and you don't feel well. But when you're injured in a car crash, don't let the insurance company skate off without paying what you deserve. Call Salino at 800-555-5555. Looking for something to do New Year's Eve? Seneca Resort and Casinos is the place for an unforgettable New Year's Eve experience. Partying on the casino floors and enjoying incredible food and drink specials, hot slots and table games. DJs, live music, and an epic final countdown to midnight. Dining specials at all restaurants at all properties. For more details, go to SenecaCasinos.com. We'll see you New Year's Eve. 
Yeah, you know what? Um, uh, Pat Patty told me some things uh, very confidentially. What uh, what he he felt happened, and I, I'll have to keep that confidentially. But uh, I was I was uh, I was devastated with when that happened. When uh, when Mr. Pergula came in the room and uh, and told us what uh, what transpired, and I went home that night, and I was going to uh, I was going to resign myself because I just I really didn't believe. Um, what, what happened to, to Pat? I mean, he brought me in, and one of the reasons, only reason I went there was because of uh, Patty. And all of a sudden, he's not there. Then, then you look at financial, and everybody in the hockey world called me, "Don't quit! Don't quit! You're stupid! You're stupid! Quit!" So, anyways, I I, I hung in there. But probably hindsight being twenty twenty, may, maybe I should have walked. But uh, because the next uh, year and a year and a bit was probably the, the worst experience I ever ever had in hockey. Really? Because uh, what, what I said earlier, winning is hard. Winning is extremely hard. And winning a championship, you look at uh, the drought between winning a standing cup for some teams, some teams never won it. Uh, yep. it it's hard. And But when you purposely try to lose games in order to get a draft position, I mean, that's just that's just totally wrong. And I went to, I, I couldn't sleep many, many a nights. Uh, my stomach was turning. Uh, because I I knew we weren't uh, weren't putting our best for best forward to to try to win. I'm not saying we we're gonna make the playoffs. We we're gonna make the make a static cup run. But the 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 credibility uh, of the sport, I, I think it gets uh, it gets washed with with uh, draft positions and draft picks and and what have you. Look at some teams that got number one picks. They never won. They never won anything. But they got a first round pick. Yeah. And you look at uh, look at Golden Knights. I mean, it took them six years, and you surround yourself with good people, boy. You you win, and so it's not about draft choice. It's about doing the right things more often than the other team, and and doing it on a consistent basis, night in, night out, with the with a group of individuals that uh, that that believe uh, great things could happen. Well, I what think, were you, what were you telling your players during that time? I, I I did I I I held everything that I knew was going on. But I mean, I in terms of getting ready to play, were you telling them to to go out and try and win? Were you telling them to spoil oh, like like to try to spoil their spoilers? Plans? Yeah. No, no, I, I never I never looked at it as a spoiler any any situation. I just really wanted to do my best, whether it's the the last game of the year, fiftieth game of the year, whatever it was, just compete to your capabilities and and putting you know. And, and I joke with a lot of people that year. I must, I must have heard. It seemed like a thousand times, but uh, quite a bit. And would you please welcome so and so to their first NHL game? And then next, the uh, five more again. Would you please welcome so and so to their first NHL game? It seemed like we were having the first all the time. I don't know yeah. how many goaltenders, how many goaltenders we we went through that year. But uh, no, we we just really had to. I had to, you know, and I, I was very proud of that team because they they worked in despite of all the and putting in putting people in positions of of uh, not success because I think that's what's great about the minor leagues. You put people down there to, to develop because they're just not ready. And if you put in a person that's that's not ready, it you know, you could ruin his whole career. So it, it was very tough, tough times. Are you finished with? coaching and everything are you are you done in that aspect in that regard 
Uh, no, no, not not done at all. If, if someone called me up tomorrow and said, hey, would you like to coach? I would love to. I, I, I think coaching is just one of those things I, I just love to do. It's like teaching. Uh, you know, um, you, you put a group of group of people together and geez, you just uh, you just hold them accountable to one another and you have some have some fun yet. You know, uh, it, it, it's something that I really, really enjoy doing and and uh, uh, hope I get another chance at it. If not, then I was really happy. Now I look back at uh, at hockey much differently than I did before because I had a chance to, to, to reflect it and talk to some counselors about uh, what I went through and some of my past trauma that uh, had nothing to do with hockey. But uh, how to deal with all those things? So I think I'm a I'm a much better coach now than I've ever was before because I I think I'm a better person than I was when I was 23, 25. No, we we all are. I mean, it, there's no perfect people in this planet, but yep. uh, you, you just through experiences and through maturity, you just uh, you just get better. You said you had some grandkids. Are there going to be any uh, young Nolans coming up uh, playing well, yeah, hockey? Yeah. You know what? The, the the game is is changing so much with so much. Uh, so anyway, my oldest uh, grandson is a very very good player, uh, but anyways, uh, coaches were yelling at him too much. He was a sensitive kid, and he didn't like it too much, and he went and tried out for baseball. Now he's a big baseball nut. He just loves baseball. <laughs> yeah. And his younger brother plays rec hockey, so you know they they still play a little bit. But uh, you know, I'm I think they played the way I played. I just played because I love the game. I didn't play because maybe I could play in the NHL one day. No, I, I played because I, I love the game. And, and I think if you, uh, you play, put your kids in any sport with that main, main goal is just to let them make some friends and, and play the sport. And, and uh, we all know the statistics of anybody making it to the, to the major leagues. It's just crazy. So, but the big thing is they, they love to play sports. Awesome. I uh, I'm really grateful that Steve Bartlett put us in touch. I cannot thank you enough for your time today. Oh, thank you guys. I, I listened. I listened to your your show in the past, and uh, I I love the show. I, I really did because uh, you know truth always sets you free. And sometimes when when you say truth, people people get mad sometimes. But heck, I, I still remember uh, mentioning Rob Ray one one time, and uh, because he wasn't, and you know that's a really cool story. Because when I went to Buffalo. Uh, I had Terry Martin and Don Lever as a, so anyways, Rob wasn't playing the best. So I said, uh, the boys tell Rob he's not playing. Then all of a sudden, Donnie looks at me and said, can you tell Terry to do it? So I went over to Terry and I said, Terry, can you tell Rob uh, he's not playing? Oh, can you tell Don <laughs> to do it? And I'm going, I think they were a little afraid what the Razor would do if they told him he wasn't playing. So I said, frick it, I'll tell him. So I was skated over to Ray. Uh, Rob, I said, Rob, you're not playing tonight. And he went ballistic. <laughs> he went crazy. So, anyways, but uh, I tell you, his uh, his forward in my book uh, was probably the most uh, most powerful uh, because of the relationship we we built from that point on. And and I think men, especially men, they want to be told what uh, what is right and what's wrong, and 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 give it to them straight, not uh, not. Um, Lily gagging around the, the issues, tell them straight, and, and they appreciate it much better. It was it was hockey heaven to me, coaching coaching in Buffalo, and I I still they're the greatest fans that there is out there, and and what what do the greatest fans in the world deserve? They, they deserve a, a championship. So hopefully, knock on wood, that uh, greater things are are going to be coming, and have a Stanley Cup parade or 
I forget what the, I'm just learning about football. I'm not too sure. The Vince Lombardi trophy. Hopefully they could bring either Are one. Are you serious? You're just learning about football now? I'm just learning about football. Come Please. on. You know, a lot of, even my, my friends reading my book, uh, I, I grew up, I, I, I didn't have TV. I didn't have, I, I didn't, uh, you know what, but get this. I didn't have TV and we grew up in a very, uh, you know, kind of a, kind of a shack really with, with two beds and there's 12 of us and uh, what have you. And, and, uh, uh, but I knew who Palais was. Imagine that. I knew who Palais was. He was the greatest uh, soccer player in the world. Yeah. And we didn't play soccer. So figure that out. But, uh, you know, learning, learning football is, uh, is, a uh, is a great thing for me. And, uh, uh, learning all the predictions. So what, me. so what you're saying is you're not, really too versed in football right now you're still learning it I'm, I'm still I'm did you want to did you want to join my fantasy football uh, league next year because we'd I, like I, to have a guy who really doesn't know the game doesn't know i don't know nothing hey <laughs> you're who's in your who's your team uh no, it has to be buffalo bills there you go but, but my son likes the uh the the he did they just lost a tough one there with the offside call uh kansas city Oh, Chiefs, boy. you lost yeah. a set. You lost us at the Chiefs. Well, they, they lost with that guy being offside for what? Yeah, that, that, like the goal that Dallas scored against us. So, <laughs> best with all your health. All the well, best with all your health. Happy holidays to, to you and the family and and the grandkids. And I know that uh, just how often your name comes up around here in Buffalo, you might not realize that it comes up a lot, but you have quite a huge, massive fan base here. So you should always know that and hope to see you back at some games here at some point. I'd love to. All the best to you. That'll do it for After the Whistle, presented by Seneca Buffalo Creek Casino. Nothing else comes close. Thanks for listening.